Some people hate the bride. Okay. I hate the bride. But I'm saying, some people do it. They do it. All right. So what we're gonna do is like this. I was I was um, asked by the powers that be to teach you something about Pesach. Right. The powers that be. So I was thinking, okay, like, how many times can people in their lives want to hear again about matzah? What? Now, not that there's not new things to say about matzah, right? So I was thinking to myself, well, what would be interesting that probably people haven't heard before? Because, I don't know if you know this, but people tend to like say over the same basic ideas from a different angle all the time. Right. Which is important, don't get me wrong. But I was trying to think of what, what can I say that probably hasn't been covered. So, um, and then I was thinking something that not only is you know, new and novel and probably haven't heard before, but strange it might actually be relevant in your life. So, I was thinking, and I alighted upon the following idea. Why don't I teach you about the difference between Pesach and Tishrei? I did. Except, 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 I didn't really discuss Pesach. I just very briefly mentioned it, right? Um, and I didn't really get into Pesach. And, and the real thing is that usually what happens is that the, the difference between Pesach and Tishrei when emphasizing what Pesach is all about, or when, when emphasizing what Tishrei is all about, that gets talked about a lot. Um, but strangely, um, Pesach often gets turned into Tishrei without people realizing it. So I'm going to, we're going to focus the entire class on the following idea. Okay? There's something called Tshuva. You've heard of Tshuva? Okay? The season for Tshuva is Tishrei, El Tishrei time? Yes? Okay. Pesach is not associated with Tshuva. You're aware of this, right? Generally, you don't hear about tshuva in association with Pesach. Okay. So put that like one spot in your mind. Now, what is the theme of Pesach? It's going out of Egypt, right? Okay. And then we all make that personal. We all have our own mitzrayim and our own limitations. We have to get out of our limitations, right? Yeah, that whole thing. Um, doesn't that sound a lot like doing tshuva? It does. Like, I mean, you have the things that are holding you back and things you're not doing the way you're supposed to be doing and the thing, right? all that kind of stuff, right? Technically, right? And now you're going to, like, get out of all of that garbage? You know, if you just kind of think about it and you strip away all of the, uh, the, the, the seasonal language, you boil down to basically the same point, right? Your life's a mess and you should, you know, make things better and a, you know, make a, make a profound change in life, right? So, on Pesach, we call it getting out of Egypt, and on uh, El Tishri, we call it doing tshuva, but it sounds like the same thing, right? And then we like add different rituals and colors and like a whole thing, but it's like just coming over the fact that it's the same idea, right? Yeah. Okay, which is why most people, when they try to get out of Egypt, they just end up trying to do tshuva. And, um, but remember what we filed away at the beginning of the class? Wasn't that long ago? Yeah. Is Pesach associated with Tshuva? No, no. no. So that, does that mean that the, that means Yitzhiya Smitzrayim, the exodus from Egypt, is not really just Tshuva in other words, right? 
which means that if basically what we're doing when we're trying to get out of our Egypt is we're just kind of doing tshuva, is that we're trying to turn Pesach into El Tishrei. Yes? Okay. And you can see why this would be problematic? Yes. And it's problematic too. It's number one, you're doing tshuva at the wrong time. Number two, you're totally missing out on what Pesach's all about. So what we're going to do is we're trying to understand what is Yitzhiya sign the excess from Egypt, as opposed to tshuva. Because it's not tshuva. It's nothing like tshuva. It's, in fact, arguably, doing tshuva while you're trying to get out of Egypt is counterproductive, to say the least. Okay? And hopefully, um, if we understand this idea a bit, then maybe we can move on to some other Pesach-related things. Okay. So... What? It, it, it is not the same idea. Okay? But this, this is something that I, I don't think many people get. They might say the words, but they don't, they don't really get it. So, so sometimes it's really easy to start with something simple. And sometimes the good thing to start with is a picture. Because if you have a picture that kind of grounds the whole discussion. Okay? So I'm going to draw a picture of Tshuva. And then I'm going to draw a picture of Yitzhiya Sitzraya. Okay? Here is my chupa picture. That's my chupa picture. Do you like my chupa picture? Yeah. Can you see me? What? Yep. Yeah. Okay. No, but okay. You can't see it? No, you said you like it. Do I like it? You don't like it? <laughs> I'm hurt. Why is that chupa? What is that? It's turning. If you don't like it, now I'm going to go cry inside. <laughs> okay. You're cry. <laughs> I think we discussed this as colors are coming back now. Right. Okay. Okay. I mean, like, if you want that to symbolize the Shiva, sure. Oh I'm saying. You're hurting like, my feelings now? I'm saying we were making a symbol for a word, okay? Okay, good. Well, for an idea, but not for a word. That's not the show to Shiva, that's just the symbol you're using to show it, okay? Yeah, I know. Really? Obviously. Okay. okay. Not a be I mean, did you want me to like make it colorful and stuff? Like I just no. Like, Should I add rainbows, a little like you yeah, know, like a unicorn? Yeah, like Make a sunset face at the bottom and then have a face wing times around. What is your qualm with this illustration? Good, perfect, beautiful. Okay. We're ready to start. Okay. Although to be fair, this is inaccurate. So. Exactly. Yeah, you might be happy on that side also. Happy on that side also. Yeah, I was gonna say. Gonna We're going to get rid of the faces because the faces are just confounding the issue. Yeah. You're overcomplicating my simple little diagram. Yeah. Now I'm both crying and frustrated. <laughs> okay. Okay. In fact, I have decided that this picture is no good. It is geometrically not appropriate. Exactly. <laughs> Such a shop, huh? Yes. No, this is more Okay. 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 This is my ETS. I'm sorry. Wait, that's true, that's true. This is Chuba. Okay. 
And this is Good? Yep. Okay. Your lack of enthusiasm is hurting my feelings. Why is it a circle? Why is it a circle? Well, the first thing, the first thing is that you'll notice in Shuv you're going in one direction, yeah. and then you end up going in another direction, but there is a hard break. Yeah. Notice that here, you don't really seem to feel like you're changing direction, but after you go around a while, you end up realizing you're just stuck in the same place. You're in the same exact place okay. as you were before. Yeah. And so now you realize what? that if you, what? Why does that represent Well, because what happens is like this. You're going, going, everything's going good, right? Yeah. And so you feel like you're making progress, right? Yeah. Making progress, making progress, making progress, making progress, making progress, making progress, making progress. And then you realize as you're making progress, and you keep making progress, but after what you're you realize what has okay. happened. What? You're stuck, right? So how is that the trying? That's what's right. Because you're going around. You're going around. You're, not around. you're making progress, but you're also. You're making progress. You're making progress, but you're stuck. Here, what's happening? Sharp progress. You're make, You're going the wrong direction. Then you turn around and you're going. Ah, right. In the right direction. Okay. So the idea is like this. I want to do chuba first because chuba is easier. It's more intuitive to most people. Yeah. Okay, which is like this. Shuva means you're going in the wrong direction. Okay? And you turn around and you start going in the right direction. Okay? So I'm going to spend a few minutes explaining what that means very practically. In life, we have choices. Okay? And by choices, I mean choices that we are aware that one of those things is right and one of those things is wrong. Familiar with those experiences in life? Yeah. Okay. If you make a wrong choice, that sets you on a bad path, right? It also makes it usually easier to make the next wrong choice, right? Yes. Okay. And so you get into a mode of making a series of wrong choices. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and at some point, you have to make the decision to stop making wrong choices and to start making right, right choices. Yeah. That's true, but in a nutshell. Is it as simple as I laid it out to be? Yes. Is it as easy as that? No. It's simple. It really is that simple. It's just not easy. Good? The concept is very simple, right? It's like you, made a, you, you had a choice. You made the wrong choice. You made another wrong choice, right? At some point, you realize, wait a minute, I'm making all these wrong choices, and I'm going to decide to stop making wrong choices. And that makes a hard break, turn around, and start making a bunch of right choices, right? And that decision to switch directions, that's tshuva. Good? Okay. So what is the necessary prerequisite for tshuva? You have to be going in the wrong direction. You have to make the wrong choice. You can't really do tshuva if you haven't made the wrong choice. Does that mean you have to sin? No, because sinning is like a very low-level wrong choice, right? Okay. What happens if you make all the right choices? What happens? So there's a fairy tale, right? If you make the right choice, the right choice, the right choice, then you live happily ever after and everything is wonderful, right? You heard this idea, right? Make right choices, things are going to work? Okay, so there was a man named Avraham. Overall, would you say that in his life he made the right choices or the wrong choices? The right choices, right? He had two sons. And he overly simplistic, right? Yitzchak and Yishmael. Who made the right choices? Who made the wrong choices? Yitzchak makes the right choices. Yishmael makes the wrong choices. And what happens? 
Yishmael gets cut out of the story, move on to Yitzchak. Yitzchak has two sons, right? Yaakov and Esav. Who makes the wrong choices? Esav. Who makes the right choices? Yaakov. We follow Yaakov, right? You see how this is going? Okay. Yaakov has some sons, right? Right? Twelve, right? Okay. And um, these sons, they have some very interesting dynamics, but at the end of, at the, end of the day, any of them get cut out of the story? No, right? No, right? They seem to work out their differences and they're all end, right? But they do? They don't? How does the book end? They have some conflicts, they work it out, right? Right? In fact, the Torah makes a point of Yaakov dies and Yosef like, says, no, 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 it's, it's cool. We're, we're, we're you know, no hard feelings, right? Okay, right? So, so the book ends, right? The book of Horatius is what happens when we've got right choices, right choices, right choices. There's a little family conflict, but at the end of the day, it's a bunch of people making the choices that they're supposed to make, right? Yeah. Especially if we go into the deeper things and we understand that the, when the brothers sold Yosef, they did what they thought was right. When Yosef was doing what he was doing, he was doing what he thought was right, so we learned a deeper idea that sometimes there's more than right and right option, right? Sometimes the right, you can be choosing the right thing, but that can itself have conflict in it. Fine, right, 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 everyone's making right choices. What's the end result of all these right choices? We move into the book of Shemos, and what ends up happening? Wrong, Where, wrong choices. Where did anyone make any wrong choices? Where? Shemos? No, any wrong choices. The Egyptians just enslaved them. That's basically how it goes, right? Moreover, that's afterwards. That's how I'm talking. About. That's later. Yeah, they get right? so. So now let's go. Let's backtrack a little bit, right? Yeah. This idea that they get stuck in Egypt. When does this first show up? By Avram, right? Avram, right? Our our right choice guy, right? Hashem tells Avram, "You make all these right choices. I want you to know how this is going to play out, right? Your descendants are going to get stuck in Egypt." Right, so what is, the, what is the result of making the right choices? Not you can. You will get stuck in Egypt. It feels like you're making progress. You know why? Because this is a very big circle, so you're going for a while. And only after a while you realize that you're stuck. Okay? In other words, the exodus from Egypt... Right, which is the solution to being enslaved in Egypt, is part of a process of things working right, as opposed to. Right. So there's an idea, in other words, of you. Everything is going the way it should. As a result of things going the way it should, things get stuck, right? And then there needs to be a rebirth. Does anyone need to do the wrong thing in order for that to happen? No. no in fact, that is. Right. So now, if you're like trying to figure out where you went wrong to how to get out of Egypt. You just like kind of mixing things up, right? Yeah. right? So now, we're all going to spend a minute and think about all the stuff that, you know, when we talk about, oh, it's yes, so I'm getting out of our personal Egypt, blah, 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 right? Immediately, our mind turns to which things? Which things that we've done oh. wrong, choices that we've made, problems that we've created for ourselves, and how we can fix them. But that's not, right? That's tshuva. So our minds should think about what problems have our successes created? In other words, where has our growth gotten us stuck? Ah, okay. oh, that's what we're going to talk about. Okay. So I'm going to give you an example. We're going to, we're going to do some simple examples. Yeah. 
You look like you're about to ask a question. No, I just Why? Is this information surprising? No, I'm just striving. No, I'm just Okay. So, so let's, let's use like some very, very simple examples. Let's say you're, you did a really good job being a student in school. Okay. What are some of the things, um, what are some of the, the habits, the tendencies that you would pick up to do really well in formal schooling, you know, regular K through 12 schooling? Yeah, well, like, let's say you did really well in school. What are some of the th traits, habits, behaviors, Absolutely. tendencies of mind? Management. Note taking. Note taking. Okay, I want more specific rather, rather than very broad things. Okay, there's time management. Time management is very important. But it's a very specific kind of time management. What kind of time management is it? Well, school's broken into what units of time? Is it broken into grades? Broken those grades usually broken in most schooling systems into semesters. It's not trimesters, but usually semesters, right? Is there, right? Is there grading at the end of semesters, right? Um, and when you graduate from one grade to another, or you move from another semester to another, right, you kind of like start over a whole new set of grading, right? And so you're managing your time based on this whole, right, right? Like what do you need to do to get the grades and the schedule, right? Okay. So what you're doing is you're managing how to use your time, but the actual structure of your time is being dictated to you by, by the school, right? Okay. Um, let's, take another, let's take another thing, responsibility, right? So more specific, what are you being responsible for? You're responsible for your doing your work. But what is your work? Your work is primarily... Right. In other words, your work, you're given a task. You're generally given criteria for how to fulfill that task, right? Mm -hmm. And success is how well did you meet the expected criteria, right? So like, I was a horrible student because, you know, like there's sometimes you have questions on a test, and it's clear, like, I don't say multiple choice, like A, B, C, D, right? And the correct answer is C. But you could make a creative argument that B would be a valid answer. <laughs> so I would mark B, knowing that C is what the answer teacher is looking for, wait for the teacher to mark it wrong, and then go argue with the teacher because I found that fun and interesting. It didn't help my grades. Are you serious? Yeah. You really did that? I really did do that. Yeah, and then make, like, like, if I could plausibly find an argument. Um, most of my teachers, some didn't. Most, some did, but most probably did not. Okay, right. Um, right. In other words, it teaches you a certain kind of responsibility, right? Which is meeting concrete expectations of someone else, right? Okay. Um, also, what about what? Right. You have subjects in school, right? Okay. So you would get very like I, like most of the people that are really good in school. Um, tend to be very good about keeping their subjects distinct, right? Because is it really going to help you in algebra class to bring up biology? No. Sometimes it does. Sometimes when there's crossover between different subjects, it helps you like retain the information. Oh, you're correct, but that's what I'm asking. I'm asking about doing well in school. But if you can retain the information, then it can help you on test. It could, right? It could. But it can also, Right, what happens when you start doing a lot of interdisciplinary things? 
then you're not with the program in the school. And that can create some problems. Right? Okay, now let's contrast this. Let's say you graduate and now you're and now you are in some kind of white collar um, job, and your job requires you to set goals, create timetables, right, and pull from a variety of different um, resources in order to create a solution. Right, so now all these habits and tools that you've gotten really good at, that got you through K through 12 and maybe through undergraduate, right now, are those help, are gonna help you in the workplace? No. No, those things are gonna hold you back, right? right? So this is a very superficial analogy of this idea, right? Is that as we get good at something, the thing that we get good at, the thing that we progress in, it shapes us, and it defines us, and it molds us and it ultimately limits and constrains us. And then we become stuck at that. And it's not just that it becomes patterns of behavior, it becomes how we see ourselves, how we think of ourselves, and ultimately that era where those things are adaptive and useful ends, and we are no longer capable of functioning because now, in other words, it's not like, in other words, when you, when you leave K through 12 education, um, it's not just that you leave, you leave behind the school, you actually have to leave behind yourself because the self that you developed as being good at K through 12, assuming that was the case, right? That self is not going to be functional. Right? And so you have this problem that anytime you are really good at something, anytime you're really successful at something, and the deeper that thing is, the more that that thing doesn't just mean you've accomplished something or changed, it also means you've shaped yourself and you've limited yourself, and you've constrained yourself. And those constraints, as mu those constraints actually create limits and obstacles when that era, when that period is no longer what you need to be in. And so you'll end up getting stuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah? But isn't it better for you that like, you, like these things, like you're having success, and you are like, like that's right. So there is a process. There is a process, right? So if we think about it, when is Pesach celebrated? Nisan. What? In Nisan. In Nisan is what time of the year? The spring. And if you're in the northern hemisphere where God gave the Torah, right, what happens in the spring? What? Right, that's when things start, right? Right, there's an idea, right? There's a, in other words, let's think about, let's think, let's, let's, let's think about, let's think about the spring first of the past, not going to the future. What happened? There were plants, right? And the plants were growing and everything was going well. What happened? They kind of reached the end of what that was good for, right? Mm -hmm. And when what happened to those plants? They die, they break down, each in their own way, right? And then what happens in the spring is that despite the fact that they've kind of reached the end of their previous cycle, right, they can rejuvenate. There's a rebirth, right? They can, you know, they, they, they can um, reemerge, right? So, yeah, you develop all these wonderful things and you shape yourself and you're very good, very good. But then, going back to this simple analogy, you graduate K-12 education, you graduate undergrad, because really undergraduate nowadays is really an extension of K-12 education. So a lot of the same things still apply. 
And then you're now in a different thing. And so there's this process of basically letting that or real, getting to that, that, that the thing that used to be positive and a success is now actually holding you back. And then there has to be how do you break out of that? How do you get past that? And how do you reemerge? How do you have how do you, how are you reborn? Kind of so for instance. Okay. If you want to keep it the same K through twelve education, um, the the um, the sense that you are working on someone else's, you know, setting up that someone else sets up the expectation, someone else sets up the schedule, and you're just supposed to go through. That. I mean, some jobs still work that, but let's say you're not in that kind of a job, right? Just for the purpose of illustration. So that means a person has to somehow, and this is the somehow part, we'll get, to it, we'll get to it later, but they somehow have to become freed of the idea that someone else is going to tell me how it's supposed to be done. Someone else is going to tell me how long it's supposed to take. Someone else is going to tell me what resources I need, right? That I'm the one that's going to have to do all that stuff now, right? Which means I'm going to have to start looking at myself differently, right? My notion of responsibility is going to have to change, right? My notion of, of planning, is, it's, a diff- it's a whole different thing. Right? So I'm going to have to reinvent myself. I'm going to have to reemerge as something you know, more vibrant, more dynamic, different than what I was before. Now, that's, you know, on, on, that's not an easy thing, but it's a relatively superficial level. Now, think about other changes in life. Um, think about um, what happens when you become a teenager. Before you're a teenager, what are you? You're a child. After a teenager, what are you? Okay. What are some major differences between a successful child and a successful adult? Successful children are successful because they lack emotional regulation. I want success. Things that make you successful, good as a child. Like you are doing well. Not all children do well. Being a child is a whole thing. I have seven of them, right? It's a, it's a thing to be a child, right? Some are better at it than others. Uh, what makes you a good child is that you have good leadership abilities. Okay. Okay. That makes you a good. That, that, that that's something that the child has. To, I want things that the child has to have, like traits, qualities about the child. So you're saying, yeah, I mean, child has good parents. That's better than child having bad parents. That's true. But that's the environment. I want something to describe that the. Right, we often don't think of children as this way, but you really should. Like, what what does the child? Maybe like. Yeah, but that, that's something that the child. I want something I that. Like when they listen, we like. And I want they what we like. What 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 makes them successful? Carefree. What? Carefree. Not like picky. Not picky. Maturity. Okay. Okay. Like able to take direction, able to listen. Able to do things on their own. That's what I mean. What do you mean? This, 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 let's do. Let's talk about this. Doing things on What kinds of things? What kinds of this act? This is good. Let's, what kinds of things should a child be good at doing on their own? Right? Is they move from making good decisions, making Yeah. Making good decisions. Yeah. Like, like we expect it. We expect a nine-year-old to make what kind of decisions? Like, if a nine-year-old turns around and says, "Let's skip class," they should say, "No, that's a good decision." Okay. Why? Why should they say no? 
Ah, so this is this is let's go a little bit deeper. A nine-year-old. A nine-year-old is supposed to have that kind of developed sense of, of, of will and values that they have decided that being in school is important and they're not going to skip class because it's the wrong thing to do. I don't know essentially that. No, they should have okay, that's. Told that and not to. Mm. Okay. Okay. So, so, so the thing, the thing that we need here, the thing that we need here, which everyone is, is missing, which is very important, they need, they need to have relationships with people that can enable them to have valuable, make right decisions. So the thing is like this: if a child, if a child makes a decision because their parents told them and they're just being obedient, they're actually being bad as being a child. That's not like, like obedience is like it's an, it's like. It's like learning to like, I don't know, brush your teeth. It's an important thing, but it's like in the grand scheme of things, it's not the most important thing. It's, um, but then if you talk, if you say like, you, like you're not expecting a nine-year-old to have like a personally developed system of values. In fact, if they do, not that- Not one, but yes, a little bit. No. Why, knowing that punching someone in school is not good, that's mean. That's a value. Knowing being nice to others, treat others with kindness, that's a value. No. They, they, the, the children, this is very important, children are not little adults. Children are different kinds of creatures. Children's sense of self is developed through attachment to others, primarily their parents. Yeah. So, A lot of a lot of what gives the child the sense of right and wrong is vicariously seeing the world through whose eyes? Their parents. Their parents, right, or some other, you know, adult, right? So a successful child is one who's able to develop those kinds of relationships. Now, obviously some of that depends on the caregivers, right? But some children, like and that's something the child like so when you're talking about two or three years old, that's like very little. But if you're talking about a nine year old, uh, you know, the, the, the children like really work on trying to kind of see the world through the, the relationships of the people that are really important to them in their lives, and that's how they right, they develop things. So they're not they're 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 relating to the world orbiting around someone else, and the sense of stability of that, and consistency of that, and calm that's built into that. You know, helps them develop in more successful children, and the, and the lack of that really messes things up. Okay. Now, if you've got someone who's like, let's skip to some obvious age, a 40-year-old, yeah, and the 40-year-old's sense of right and wrong is through like looking through the world through someone else's eyes, right? Okay. So, like, what happens if you have, say, a child, right, and the parents are like a mess? And so the, the child kind of tries to figure out on their own what's right and wrong or what needs to get done and kind of hold everything together and tries to be the anchor in their own life at like 9, 10, 11. The child is, gets it's pretty messed up. But on the other hand, right, if you have the 40-year-old, right, and they're, they're anchoring their sense of right and wrong through like seeing the world through someone else's eyes, right, we, 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 we have other names for that, right? Like someone's whole life is, well, what would, what would my parents think or, or what would my spouse think? They don't really have their own sense of values and, and goals, right? So something radically shifts between the child and the adult. It's, it's almost opposite, right? 
And why, what, what happened, what makes, one of the things that makes teenagers very, very difficult? Right, because in teenage years, you kind of, if every, you, you kind of exhausted the living the world through someone else's eyes. And what worked really well at seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12-ish, 13, you start saying, it doesn't work anymore. But that's the only thing you know how to do, right? So what used to be success is now prison, right? And it's not obviously clear to the person who's starting to go through that what it looks like on the other side to like have your own values, right? And sometimes people do really stupid things. They just like take whatever their parents said and do the exact opposite. Right, which is just a silly because I mean that's, that's you're still not having your own values, right? Okay, so that's like just on a level of psychological development. Okay, when you're a child, your relationship with your parents is defined by the fact that they're your parents, and in as much as they're your parents, how do you have to view them? And I don't mean how do you have to view them for the sake of like what's right and wrong. I mean for your own psychological development, how do you have to view your parents when you're a little child? They're better than you. They're they they they're 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 stable, right? They're reliable. They're dependable. They make the right decisions. They will always be there for you, right now. But are your parents actually like that? No. Basically, you have to treat your parents as some kind of god, right? But your parents are not god. Your parents are people, right? And then what happens is, like, as an adult, you can't really have a relationship with your parents like that because, so then you have to have a relationship with your parents as like. They're people, but they're not just people. They're people, so it's a whole different thing, right? And there's so many things, okay? You can talk about, like, for instance, being a parent. What does it mean to be a parent? Well, if your children are, like, infants, it means, like, physically caring for them and just showering them with affection, and that's basically it, right? As they move into toddlers, it means disciplining them, right? Right? But as teenagers, it means something else entirely, right? And so you can be really good at raising children and really bad. And that very same thing that makes you really good at having a relationship with a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old is makes you, you're just, it's now like the thing that's destroying your relationship when they're 15, right? Okay. Um, learning. What's the first step to mastering any subject, like, like proactive thing? I mean, there's obviously interest and being open-minded, all that stuff. But like, what's the first like thing you actually have to do if you really want to master a subject? People don't like doing this. Rote memorization. Yes, because if you want to master something, you need facts at your disposal. No, no. That's why most people don't master most things. Rote memorization, as much as you can handle. What about like math? Maths. Yeah? Okay. Um, what's, uh, what's math? It's a study of? What's a number? Right. We avoided that, right? We just used them, right? Yeah? Okay. All right. Did you say what's a number? Yeah. A number. Right. Quantification. Quantification, right? So we start out, children, you must understand, there's something called quantification. <laughs> quantification is a way, not the only way, but is a way, of, is a way of relating to reality. And these quantities can be placed in relationships with each other. Right? Do you do that? No. No, you don't really do that, right? Did you have to memorize your times tables? Yep, and then I was a, and I was a 
Okay. Um, you ever? Um, I mean, it, you know, the, the the traditional way of learning things requires a lot of a lot of either obedience or a lot of determination because to really really learn something, you just need to like have a lot of information, and then you need to put that information together. Um, and so you're actually just assimilating information without, without really understanding it. Okay? Now, what ends up happening is that the techniques that are really good for assimilating knowledge, assimilating information, right, are actually really bad for understanding. Such as, um, if you want to remember the, all the names of all of the state capitals, right, there are lots of techniques for that, right? If you want to remember all of the elements, if you want to remember the 39 halachas of Shabbos, you want, there's ways to do that stuff, right? But understanding requires you to do something else. It requires you to move into a space where, where, where things have some, where, are, where things are open-ended, where it's not like, okay, this is the information, I need to know the information. If I know the information, I move on to the next thing. That's not how it works. And so. Like, usually most children are not really good at this, are really, 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 really understanding, because they're just like assimilating fact after fact after fact after fact. They're not actually taking the time to say, wait a minute, do these facts really make sense with each other? Because you know what happens when you start thinking, do facts really make sense with each other? What happens? You discover that they don't. It doesn't make sense, and you have to deal with things like confusion. You have to deal like right, and you have the confusion about things. You're not just throwing stuff out, and that, that requires a kind of maturity of mind. And so, children that are really good at like regurgitating the right answer and memorizing all the information, they can get pretty well. And depending on how your education system, they may even do really well up into undergraduate levels of things. But once you actually have to start like really understanding things, it's a whole different and and, and it's a whole different thing. And there's this whole shift that has to happen. Right. And I'll give you another example. What happens if you have a goal in life? What's the worst day in your life if you have a goal in life? No. Worst day if you have a goal in your life? The day after you've achieved your goal. Does that make sense why that would be? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because then what? You're seeing a theme here? That things go well, right? Things go well puts you into a box. And eventually that box becomes a prison. This is a bit different. Well, this is, this is what it means to be in Mitzrayim. Now, this is what's called in Chassidus the Mitzrayim of Kedush, the Mitzrayim of Holiness. All the examples about those are the examples that have but you have to completely like, get rid of dirt. It's not like there was something wrong. Like you have to break the whole thing and then you want the next one. But is that how it works? We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay. So this is what's called Nechsidus Mitzrayim of Kedusha. Mitzrayim of means that you're constrained, but in a holy way. Or if we want to broaden it, you're constrained because things are going right. Now what happens if you get to this point where things are boxed in and you, and you, and you don't break out of that. So let's, let's think, for instance, a person graduates, go back to the first example, they graduate K through 12 education, right? They get a job. This job requires collaboration, independent thinking, creative problem solving, setting your own timetables, right? All that kind of stuff. And they just 
keep trying to treat it like K through 12 education. What happens? It doesn't work. And what's the result? And now let's say they don't, they don't reinvent themselves. They don't, they, don't, they don't allow that. They don't break free of that. They keep at it. What happens? Right? What happens is now they start getting negative consequences, right? Which have, and, and, and if you keep this, right, what ends up happening is that they get into a very dark place. They get fired, they lose their job, their reputation goes down, they start you know, being mad at the world, blah, 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 blah. And now they're in a whole different kind of set of problems, right? So there's this idea that the, the being enslaved in Egypt this comes because a person gets stuck in the Mitzrayim of Kedusha, the holy Mitzrayim, the holy limitations, and they just get stuck there, and that eventually bleeds into being in a very, very negative space. What's called Mitzrayim de Klippa. And so the real idea of getting out of Egypt is what, how, how do you, how do you, when, when the story is over, how do you close that book and start a new book? When that journey is done, before, what? Before no, it can't happen. It can't happen before the journey. Right? This, what happens if you try to become a teenager at age nine? You just then you deal with the fact that you never went through certain developmental stages, right? What, right? There, there's if, if you you have to you have to get to the point where this means you go all the way around and you get to the end. You're like, wait a minute, I'm stuck. And it's once you're at that place that you're stuck, what do you do when you're stuck? You went, you went, you went, you went, you went, you went, you feel like you're, you're getting further and further and further, and then you're like, wait a minute. There's something problematic here. There's something that I'm at the end of something. And I can't just keep, I can't, at this point, what am I supposed to do? Just start over, just keep going like that forever? No, I can't do that. I have to find something. I don't know, but. Oh, you're not I have to find something new, something outside my limitations. And I have to somehow get out of this place and get to that place. Leave Egypt and go to the promised land. This is not because I did anything wrong. This is because I did everything right. Okay. So should I be looking at my past and figuring out what I've been doing wrong? Figuring out how to make changes? No, that's Tishrei. That's Tishrei, right? But so like, what are my limitations? Like, like, the, 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 like, the question is, what's the, you know, to borrow a phrase from, from Shakespeare, what's the undiscovered country? Where's the place where I haven't gone to yet and the person I've become won't let me get there, but that's where I need to go? My highest. Oh. What? Inspirational. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something like inspirational, like my highest goal. My highest. It's something outside, yeah. Okay. And I, I and I mean this this is something that happens in a small measure every day, and larger measure, you know, yearly, and sometimes in a much larger le- measure periods in life. Well it doesn't happen for everyone. Well what? So here's the thing that the, every time they're growing, you're in your comfort zone. So why are you only triple? Oh, you're going in circle because you feel like at some point, as you're going around, you feel like, oh, this is new, this is new, I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm growing. And at some point, you're like, wait a minute, I've been here before. That's my mind. So why are you still, then how are you supposed to Let me give you an example. You see this on time on a daily basis. Yeah? Do you know what tomorrow's going to look like? No. Yeah. Honestly. Yes. Yeah. Today. Tomorrow's going to look like today, right? Yeah. Well, 
More or less. Okay. Now, here's what's more important. If I take out all the external stuff, okay? The way you're going to approach tomorrow, is that just going to be recycling of how you approach today? Probably. And when, if that, if you, if that really hits you, do you look forward to tomorrow? No. But I don't think that's not realistic. What? Every day doesn't look the same. Every day I'm doing something different. Sure, when I have classes, like every day is the same, but it's different classes. Like I'm sitting, I sit there. <laughs> that's what I said. Strip away so things that are. You, the choices you're going to make. The, the approach you're going to have, the way you're. I want to go to Chuck Brown tomorrow. Like, okay, then I'm doing something different. Right, but you're going to go to Chuck Brown today, and then next week you're going to be making the same type of decision. No, one second. There was a rabbi named Rabbi Steinsaltz um, who recently passed away. And someone asked him, I think I might have told you this story, but it's relevant here, so I'll say it again. Um, rabbi Steinsaltz was asked, someone asked him, that, well, why do we say the same words of davening every day? It's very boring. And so he says, yeah, but you approach them differently. And then he walked away, and then he came back and says, you know, Maybe you're the one who's boring, <laughs> right? So, and, and I'm, I'm not. Right, so, I mean, the idea is not that every day you have to have like an existential crisis and reinvent yourself, right? The idea of Yitzias Mitzrayim every day, but we say right, right, that b'chol yom v'yom every day, person alter says in a person should see themselves as they they left Egypt, right? So, and there is this idea, right? You go to like one of the reasons why Hashem created the world in such a way that we go to sleep at night and we wake up is like yes. We went through something, and we achieved something, and we grew in whatever way, but tomorrow is not just supposed to be recycling yesterday, or today, right? And so there's a way of like going to bed is like the end, it's the end of something. And there's a process of like letting go. And there's a process of like being reborn and, 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 and approaching something afresh and not, not you know, you know, the Kutzker the Kutzker Rebbe said, I don't know, not an exact quote, but something to the effect of that, you know, um, that people do things today because they did them yesterday. Why do they put on the film today? Because they did it yesterday. Right. Yeah? And, and 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 he says, I would tell people I would tell people to stop doing things today just because they did it yesterday. The problem is then they won't do anything today, and then tomorrow they won't do anything tomorrow because they didn't do anything today. Mm. But this is this, so there's an issue like you like if you have, like, for instance, if you had a successful, let me go. Let's say you had like a really successful um, yomtiv. You had a very successful tishrei, very successful pesach. It really was doing right. What happens as you're approaching next year? There's somehow this sense that you're going to like you're just recycle that, do it again. But like, how can you be doing it again? If like like you went through something, so now you're on the other side of it, right? Is anyone here watch movies? Yeah. Okay, so there's, there's a thing movie that Hollywood likes to do, which is making sequels. Why do they like to make sequels? They make a lot of money. That's why Hollywood likes to do anything, right? What's the problem with the sequel? It's not as good as the sequel. Usually. Usually. Why? Kind of Why? Do. Because, I mean, unless it was planned out to be a very long story with installments, right? The idea is the story, there was a journey. So you have the character at the beginning, 
the character at the end. They've grown, they've changed, and everything that happened was the catalyst for that growth process. And now this thing, like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna put them back to the beginning of the story again? It doesn't work, right? And so, like, there's something, there's, it doesn't have that, right? That's the thing, it's like, you've gone all this way around, you're like, wait a minute, I'm not gonna go do that again. And so, like, okay, I'm not gonna do that again, but that's, that's what I am, that's what I know, that's who I like, so, so, I, so it has to be different. Right? So the Jews are in Mitzrayim, right? And they're, and they're feeling crushed. They're feeling oppressed. And what do they do? They call it to Hashem, right? Like, get me out of here. I can't go through more of this. Not that this was bad. It was great. But it was great up until it reaches the end of its life cycle. And then it has to, it has to die. And there has to be a rebirth. Right? And, and this is the idea that Pesach is in the spring, right? And this is the idea of the pe- that the Pesach on a daily basis, the waking up in the morning and the morning prayers, right? And the Shema and the morning Shema. Right? There's this idea that that you can't just there. It, this this life is a life that looks like this, right? That you're just going the right direction and just keep growing. That does not exist. Sometimes you're going in the wrong direction. You've got to just turn around. But if you're going in the right direction you eventually just realize that like, you've outlived that, you've gone through that, you've acquired what you can acquire, and if you keep approaching things that way, you're just going to spiral into a very unproductive and often very dark place. Well, like you're being a good person. Yeah. So you have to, right? And so there's really two steps, which is one, you have to get, you have to get stuck in exile, right? The, the thing has to eventually become constraining, right? You, 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 know, you have to get to the point that like, Using is an example, right? That your parents' house is too small for you. <laughs> like it's too much. Like it's great, wonderful, but like I can't live in my parents' house anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? And then okay, but now if I'm not gonna live in my parents' house, now what? The whole world. I mean, you could you could you know you could go move to Tibet, right? Like really, like it's a scary thing. Once once the mode you have been working in has outlived, and that becomes a constraint, that becomes a prison. So you have to move out of that. So then then it's then it's scary because like. It's, you know, it's, an, it's like the Jews go out into the desert. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what it's going to look like. They don't know how it's going to play out. Right? You got really good at being in high school. But what's going to be like after high school? You get really good. Right? You know what happens often? A lot of times the shluchas, right? They, get, they really did a really good job in high school. They go to seminary. Seminary is kind of like high school because they're still a thing. And then they become a shlucha. And all of a sudden, is there anybody telling them what they're supposed to be telling everybody else? And so this ha- often happens. This is, like, what am I supposed to tell this person? It's a different dynamic. And you can do anything. And the more you realize that, that today is a new day, I really, don't ha- I really don't have to recycle yesterday. I can pick up and do anything. So now the question is, what should I do? How should I approach things? How do I, how do I, how do I move to a, a place which is better and, you know, a good place rather than just becoming, like, you know, Wandering around, going nowhere, getting stuck. And this is the issue of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. How do you make this kind of transition or rebirth in an effective manner? Which has nothing to do with the wrong choices we've made. Yeah? The thing of like getting stuck and doing the same repetitive things is if you're not having any downs, right? If you're not having any downs. You said before, if you're, if you're, if you're finally being a good person and doing all the right things, 
Mm-hmm. If you're just a non-continuous guy and it gets like boring, then you said you can form well, depression. Whatever. Yeah. What? Yeah. But that, but that's. What does that mean if you're doing the good things? Because none of us are on that level. Well, so what we have to understand is that is that whenever we talk about something in isolation, we talk about it as if like that's the whole picture. Every Jew goes through Tishrei. Every Jew goes through Pesach, right? Because there are aspects of our life where our life is a bunch of wrong decisions that need to be corrected, right? Yeah. But that is not the totality of our life. A lot of our life is the right decisions and growing and developing and, and that growing and developing coming to an end and coming to a maturation and then you're like, you get stuck in something. You get stuck in a way of being or stuck in a way of thinking about your goals. That's, that, that's the result of doing things right. So we have one half of the year. Right? Where we're focusing on one set of as- one aspect of our life. Another. Like, it's not like you're either a Tishrei Jew or a Pesach Jew. There's no, no such thing. There's, right? There's definitely areas in our lives where we're making wrong decisions. Where we're, fought, we're, we're messing things up. We need to fix those things, etc. Cetera, et cetera. And then there's areas of life where things aren't working out because we're stuck in what used to work for us. And it's spiraling into a deeper, deeper problem because we're not breaking out of what used to work for us. Because what? Because before it really was growth, and before it really was, but it, but it outlived its usefulness. It's become a cage. How do you know? How do you know which things are which? How do you know when when you've outlived it, and like you should stop trying to use that method or whatever? I mean, so there, there's an idea that, that um, this, 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 I'll give you the, 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 the honest answer. There's different answers, but this is the most honest answer. The most honest answer is that everything is good all the time. It's always the right time to do tshuva. It's always the right time to get out of Mitzrayim. It's always the right time to be joyous. It's always the right, every, everything, always, there's always the good time. There's always the right time for it. However, however, what happens if you try to do everything at once? Right. So, in the absence of something overwhelmingly clearly being the thing you need to be focused on, Hashem gives us a calendar. So if it's Pesach time, in the absence of you overwhelmingly clearly need to do tshuva, right? That could happen, right? But all things being equal, if it's Pesach time, what should you be like looking for? My, my Mitzrayim and how to get out of my Mitzrayim and if it's El Tishrei time, right? Yeah. That's right. So, in other words, in other words, it, it's not, it, 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 sometimes what a person is going through in life is that it's very clear they're going through a dynamic that has nothing to do with what's on the calendar. Like, you know, a person could it could be the middle, it could be the middle of Tishrei, and it hits them they, like they have you know they, 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 this 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 crisis of like what now in my life that could happen right what now in my relationship with Hashem what now in my marriage what now with my like it could it, it could strike them in the middle of Tishrei and it could in the middle of Nisan it's possible that a person realizes like they've been doing like some really serious errors and like they have to stop because they're just going to destroy their life this way right that could happen right but there's always the whole smorgasbord of things. So Hashem's like, you know what? If you don't have anything clearly like, you know, burning a hole in your soul, so Nisan, focus on this. Tishrei, focus on this. And you end up getting, you know, a little bit of everything. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. Yeah, but now it seems like Nissan is still much harder. What? Now it seems like Nissan is still much harder. Nissan is harder. The what now comes when things are going well? Yeah. They're going well. Pushing you. That's right, because the thing is, like, when you're going around on this, right? Here, you feel this motivation, because it's like this. If you're, if you're, if this point, it feels like that's like a destination. Like you, you get there, right? Okay. And as you get, as you, so, but once you get there, you're like, wait a minute, I'm just like, yeah. So what's the point? I'm gonna just repeat that. You know what I'm talking about? Hundred percent. But it's, it's the worst thing. Then what? I'm saying like. Wrong, yeah, that's right. But so, here it's not like you have to fix something. It's like you know when you actually have to work, you actually have to like push yourself, and you have to like move on. Right. So. Okay. So what I want to do is I want to talk about the first step of Yitzias Mitzrayim, which is an overlooked step. Mm -hmm. The first step of Yitzias Mitzrayim. What, did they, what was the first step in the Yitzhak Mitzrayim? What's the first thing that happened, right? So the story of Shemos, right? The Jews go, get enslaved, right? Which, again, is not prompted by anybody, like, doing the wrong thing, right? Right. And then what's happened? What, where does things start turning around? After they cry out to Hashem. They cry out to Hashem. Okay, but this is very important. Who do they cry out to? No. Who do they cry out to? This is very important. What? Go cry out to Moshe. Close. They cry out to Hashem, but... It, See, the problem, with, the problem with Hashem, the problem with God, is that God is very vague. Okay? Who do they call out to? The God of? The God of their fathers. That's a very important thing. Okay, so let's think about what does that mean to call to the God of your father? What? Somebody that helps their father. Okay. What's the what's the advantage of saying God or your fathers? Even if I don't see you, like even if you're maybe even if in my life right now I'm not going to the fact that still there. Kind of like Hashem still, maybe I'm not connecting as well, but he's still the God, like he's still part of, meaning if my fathers are respected or whatever, we're connected to him, then there's still the fall back on, kind of. Okay, you're getting at it. You're, you're getting at it. Right? There's this idea, there's this idea um, that Even though I'm stuck, it doesn't mean I've been abandoned. Okay. So, um, what? Let me. Let me a lot of times in Chassidus, we talk about the importance of having your own personal relationship with God. Right. What's the downside of your own personal relationship with God? You only have yourself to fall back on. That's right. Think about a child, right? A child, right? Right. One of the key things about a child is that a child doesn't. 
a child falls back on their parents. A child has the sense that, like, hopefully, if everything's the way it's supposed to be, right? the, 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 pa- the, the parents are there, right? Um, you can have that at any age, though, no? No matter how grown you are, you know your parents are always... So, yeah, but it changes. It changes. I mean, there was a... When a, when, a, when, a, when a person feels like there's something, when a person feels like there's something to fall, there, there's someone to fall back on that doesn't depend on them, that means they have a sense that there's something greater than themselves, really greater than themselves. Mm-hmm. Now here's the thing, when you're like 40, right, and your mother is, and your father is however old they are, how much older than you, right, so add you know, there ain't you know, the difference in age, right? Yeah. You you don't really feel like oh, I mean, usually unless you know, you know regular normal don't really feel like oh, my parents are like so much greater. They're in a whole different league than me. In fact, the opposite starts to happen. As usually as parents age, right? Their humanity starts to become more and more evident, right? They get sick, right? They need help, right? So. And that's actually a challenge for a child because remember your first and most primal notion of your parents are like they're, 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 they can do anything. Okay. Um, the, the, you heard of Rabbi Yosher Soloveitchik who's the Rosh Hashiva Yeshiva University often known as JB for some strange reason. Not JB? Most, yeah, JB Soloveitchik. I don't know why people think that it's okay to call him that but what? Anyway, so he was not a, a chassid, but he grew up in a chassidic town and had a chassidic, a, 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 a chassid was the, uh, a Lubavitcher was the teacher of the cheder. And uh, he tells a story that one time um, they were learning chumash and the way it worked is in the, these are the old time cheder in the shtetl. So the way it worked is like the kids are reading the chumash and they're, 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 they read the psukim in Hebrew and they translate them into Yiddish. I don't know anyone ever had this in school. Um, but it's like, you know, and you just like, there's a sing song and you just go through. And this, uh, this chassid was like, you know, like half paying attention. Like, he's in own thoughts. And the kids are just like reciting. And at one point they're, they're learning, they're learning the Parsha where, um, where, where Yosef's interrogating his brothers. They don't know who's Yosef. And he says, do you have a father? Do you have a father? And the kids say that, and and all of a sudden the, he tells the story that the, the malam the teacher just like woke up. He's like, "What did you say?" So the kids read again. Do you have a father? And he looks like these burning eyes. Do you have a father? Do you have a father? Do you know what it means to have a father? And he's a kid. He didn't get it, but like, but after he realized, like, a father means there's there's a beyond you, a higher than yourself, a a truth that doesn't you know even when. Not just like a technic, it's just a technical person. You have a father, you have a mother. There, there's this deep role. There's something, there's something that goes far beyond where I'm holding at this very moment. Right? And at some point, like you start to realize, and this was what this Malam was saying, at some point you start to realize that your human father can never really be a father because he's only human. Um, so what does it mean you call to the God of your father? Who is the God of your father? 
And the answer is you don't know who the God of your father is. Because the God, if he was your God, you would know who he is. You know what he's like. You know what he means. You know what he means to you. But you don't know what he's like. Why? Okay. But, but, he's, but you know that, that he's there and you can rely on him. Right? And so there's, a, in other words, there's a sense of trusting something which is really greater than yourself. And, and, and realizing that, like, I can't, I'm stuck and I can't do this. I need, I need help from what's beyond myself. But the one thing I know about this God who's beyond myself is that I can rely on him. Why? No, it's great. It's me reliant, right? So the, the, this this notion of, of fathers, on the one hand, the father shows on this distance, right? It's beyond you, before you, doesn't depend on you. But at the same time, it's your father, right? There's a there's a there's a care and there's a concern, and so there's a there's a trust, right? So a person gets stuck in this point. There's do do you have uh, even the slightest sense that if you're stuck, you're in these things? Do you have a sense there's something greater than? who you are right now, how you're operating right now, how, right, that you can call out to, that you can ask help from. Right? What happens, what, 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 hap, what, what happens, and this is going to be key, when the Jews actually leave Egypt is it's all about trusting in Hashem. It's all about following God. Right? So the, the point at which they, the exodus begins is they call out to the God of the forefathers for help. And the point at which the exodus occurs is when they follow God out into the unknown. Which means, and this is why you were very accurate when you said this is harder than tshuva, you can't get out of Egypt yourself. Right? And so to realize you can't, that I can't do this on my own, and yet trust that there is something greater than me that can get me out, and ask for that help, and willing to, to trust that and follow that where that leads, right? That's a whole different that's a whole different set of difficulties. Now, if you put this in language of chassidus, this is the idea of trusting in deeper parts of your neshama, getting in touch with deeper parts of your soul. Like, what does that mean? So you're uh-huh. anything, you're going to your days, and I don't know, if you're talking about like the neshama, like you're dogging me or whatever, and then like, then what? When I start dogging, then the neshama help me, now what? No. Like, then what? No, no. So, what we're going to do in the next class is we're going to look at some of the things at the Seder night and talk about how they play a role in this. Because we have a lot of mitzvahs, we have the cops and this, and that. I'm not going to cover everything. We're going to talk about some of the things and how they play a role in this, and how they give guidance to this. But the the underlying the underlying thing is, it's not it's not at the end of the day the difference between tshuva and getting out of Egypt. Tshuva at its core is very technical. Because at the end of the day, what tshuva just makes a decision, I'm going to do things differently. Instead of choosing the wrong thing, I'm going to choose to do the right thing. It, it is, on a certain level, it's very technical. Obviously, tshuva can be deeper and more meaningful, and etc., etc., but as Altabah says, mitzvah sa tshuva bovad. The mitzvah of tshuva is stopping the sin. Whatever you're doing that's wrong, just stop doing that. Make a decision to stop doing it. Which, again, it's not easy, but there's a, there's a certain superficiality to that. On the other hand, 
coming to terms with the fact that, that you can't get yourself out of this mess because the mess is, is not, it's not, a, it's, it's, it's not something to fix. It's everything went right. Like that's it. It's the end of the road. And, 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 to, and to have that kind of uh, honesty and humility to realize that you need help and to trust that there is something reliable beyond you, that's like the exact opposite. It's not technical at all. It's very, very personal. It's very deep inside you. And so when a person tries to make it see and time into a technical thing, into a, I'm going to make a decision to get out of it, like you it doesn't work that way. There's almost a point, one could argue... There's, I would say this, there's almost a point of dispute that you have to despair of your own ability. You have to like realize that you're limited to the point that you despair of your ability to get out of your own limitations. You don't despair of the fact that you can get out, but that you can get yourself out. Right? What point do the Jews call out to the God when it becomes unbearable, right? So you have to get to that point, right? And, and so there's like this sense of like, take the example, like if tomorrow's gonna be basically like today, right? Well, the only way that like to get out of that Mitzrayim would really be at the end of today, not now, to really like face in a very very honest way, you know, gaze in the mirror, but but metaphorically speaking, the fact that I am probably just going to approach tomorrow the way I did today, until like that is just unbearable. Like I can't do that. I need, I I don't know what, but I need something. and, and, and that, that has a, that, 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 that there's a certain desperation, there's a certain unwillingness to just repeat, to, repeat today, tomorrow. When a person goes to sleep like that, how do you think they're going to wake up? Do they think that they'll wake up with just the sense that they're just repeating the previous day? No. Now, do you know what, you're, what, you're, what it's going to look like? You don't know what it's going to look like. Like so many times we get frustrated and like we're whatever and like it just keeps going. Like, you're not gonna wake up and like because last night I mean yeah I messed up this door but like But the, it, 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 it 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 getting out of Mitzrayim is not it's it, it it it's it's much more about about calling out and having that trust and then be willing to follow that where that leads. In fact, the thing you're doing right now prevents, Mitzrayim, prevents you from getting out of Mitzrayim, which is, I want, tell me how it's going to play out ahead of time. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah. Now think about it. If the Jews were like, this, like, hey, we want the outline of exactly what happens when we leave Egypt. That's not how it worked, right? Right. And then you're not precise, just not trusting necessarily how the process is going to end. Does it also have to tell you that we might be too proud to admit it? It's definitely... Right? So this gets into the idea of why we can't eat chametz. Right? You're starting how these things come together. You can't eat chametz. There needs to be more. You need to taste the bitterness. Yeah, you can start, like, if you take this, you can start seeing how a lot of the Pesach things actually relate to this idea. We'll talk about them tomorrow. But it's not, it's not this, I've resolved to change my life. That's not what it is. It's like I have the, the humility to look and say, like, I've reached the end of the road. And I have to, and I, and, and, I, and I have to call out, and I have to trust of, of the God of my Father to help me out of this, to, 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 to carry me to the, to the other side of the horizon where I don't know what it is, and I don't know what it's going to be like.
Yes and no. It, it depends on what, how you're looking at it. Okay, but then when we're leaving, okay, so but when we're like leaving the Mitzrayim, should we look at like also look back? No, there's no point in looking back. But what about looking at back at like all of the things that you did and helping that get you through to the next thing? But that won't. Th then it means you're not early at the Mitzrayim. If the stuff is go, that's that's not. That that's the that's one of the ways of keeping a person in Mitzrayim. Like the Jew, right? The Jew is like, but we had it good there, right? We had food. We were taking care. Of, right? You know the, In other words, it, it, you know, even the, by the way, even the, even even the chametz, right? The chametz is not forbidden the whole year, right? The sense of pride, the sense of accomplishment, those are not the sense of appreciation. Like, it's not bad things, but but when you get to the end of the road. Like, think about it. Like, imagine someone graduates valedictorian of their high school, right? And they, like, take that sense of pride and accomplishment into college. Now, if they're valedictorian of their high school, they're probably going to a college where, like, they're not, like, every, all the valedictorians are going, right? Yeah. Which means that, what are they? They went from being the top and the accomplished to? Average. Average. So... They have to see themselves as what? As average. And that's a whole new journey, right? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like it, 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 there is this, this notion that, yes, this story has come to an end. This chapter is over. You did it. And doing it is actually not as great as, it, as, as you thought. Uh, when you begin, you think the end is going to be amazing. And the end is actually not that amazing. It really isn't. The end becomes its own little, its own little, you know, it's like the, the sink that gets clogged. That's what it's like. And you've got to unclog it, you've got to break through, you've got to start something new. And the thing is that, like, but I can't, because I, I am what I've made of myself in this journey, in this process, and that person with that way of approaching things, that can't be the hero of the next story. So there has to be a God of my father who... I call out to who I trust, who I have the, the humility to, to, to accept and to, try, and, and, and to go to a new place. And I don't know how it's going to work out. What? Why, like, I get it, obviously, is involved, but why, like, you keep saying, like, you can't do it on your own. Like, why can't you, I don't know, train yourself, I don't know, like, close that book and move on and see yourself as the new person in a new situation? So, so, like, so, 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 the, the, there's, the answer to that question is like this. There's two ways, there's two ways people approach things. One way is they draw on what they have, what they've accomplished, what they know, whatever it is. Um, and another, another thing is that there's, they're, they're not, they're, 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 they're they're trusting that there's stuff about them they don't know yet. There's powers they don't have. There's abilities they, they're not aware of. There's whatever, yeah? Okay. So when I talk about trusting, so it's like very rarely, very, very rarely, you know, is there like a miracle comes down from Hashem and it's like, you know, biblical thing, right? That's not, that's not, I don't mean trusting Hashem and like waiting that magic it all just works out. But... You're saying you can't help yourself. You can't help yourself because when you look at yourself, the person who you are is been is that 
that limited being. Because now there's one second. There's is there more to you than that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That more to you than that that can get you through anything. That's the part of you that has this this unbreakable connection to Hashem. That's the part where Hashem comes through in the life of the person. So. You have to tap into that part of yourself. Oh, but tapping into that part of yourself, the, 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 in other words, we're, we're talking about two different things by the same name. I hate that. What? I hate the line tapping. The reason, the thing is, the thing is, the thing is, if you go looking for it, you won't find it. That's the point. If you can, if you can find this part of yourself, if you can find this part of yourself, then you can. Then you're not. Then that's. Then then you're not a Mitzrayim, right? If you can find it in yourself, right? This is. I can't find it in myself. I don't know what it is. I don't know how it works. And yet, so I have this trust that there's. There's, you know, what, what like the do? How are we gonna know where to go? What are we gonna eat? Hashem will take care of it. So how do you think people move out of like? I don't know. I think it was you once you gave the example like a mother who the whole life she's raising her kids and then her kids get married and they're out of the house and they're like, now what? Right? Like everything's like the circle. Everything you ever built for is done. They move on. They help themselves. Some do and some don't. But it comes down to a few things. One of them is like, is there, is there arrogance? Is there humility? We'll talk about like the, the things that we, the things that like, a lot of things in the pace I have to do with that, right? The, the fact that we don't eat chametz. We'll talk about these things tomorrow. But these things are, are Things, but my, my point is, if you go look, like with tshuva, you actually do go look in yourself. You actually not looking in your past. You know what you should look for in your past? Don't look at what you did wrong. Like that's not helpful for tshuva. Look for the fact that it was your choice. Because if it was my choice to go in the wrong direction, then that means nothing stopping me from turning around and going in the right direction, right? So the only thing I'm supposed to look for in the past, the only thing I should look for in the past is that it was my decision. Which is, by the way, why the Rambam brings the idea of free will in the walls of tshuva. Because if I can bring myself to admit that it was my choice to sin, then I can do tshuva. If I can't bring myself to face that, then I can never do tshuva, because things made it happen, right? But here, if I look inside myself to find that place that will get me over the horizon, I don't, I don't have access to that. So I have to trust that it's there. It's just scary, because once you find that you're in that state of, like, what now? And you know it, you're aware of it. Obviously, then you can never go ahead, and you have to just trust. It's, it's very scary, right? Like, there's nothing you can do. Right? It, that's, nothing. That's, it, 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 that's why it's Yisrael Shrine, is like compared to like being born. Right? <laughs> Imagine the difference between being in utero and then being born. It's like, what's happening? Where, how do I get. Like, you just have to trust that it's, it, 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 it'll work out. Okay, but but there's a way of, of developing that trust. The idea of there's the calling out to the God of our fathers, the idea of you know shechting the Pesach, the idea of eating of, of eating the matzah, the marer, the four cups of wine. Right? All of these things, they have messages for us like how this, right? And, and and you're reborn. You're a new person. Who you are and how you see yourself at the end of that is different. You're not who you were when you were seven. Right? And, 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 and you're not going to, you know, in 20 years, you won't be who you are now. Right? And on some level, if we're really, 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 really living, we shouldn't be tomorrow who we are today. Right? This is hard. This is, Yitzhak's time is very hard. And, 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 and in a certain sense, it's, it's, it's so hard that 
because we can't really do it on our own. And it's also not because once you do it or whatever, it's not forever. And once you're doing it again. Yeah. Why? Because that's just how it works. Like, how many times do we say now what and then we get over it? Russia? I'm like, not every month. Well, it depends on the degree. Know, saying, like, it could be, I don't know, it depends. I'm just saying, like, it's not like a, you did it and now wait a good 20 years and then happens. I'm saying, like, when you have a real now what in your life, it's like, it lasts for a while. Yeah. I mean, the way, look, if you, you could use the mission. The Mishnah says, at five, you start learning to read the Tanakh. At 10, you start learning Mishnah. 15, you start learning Gemara. 18, you get married. 20, you get a job, right? And then after that, it's just 10-year increments. And there is something to that, right? In other words, like, people have periods of life. And, and on some level, it's every year, which is why we have Pesach every year. And on some level, there's like the idea of every day on a very minuscule level, right? Which is why if you remember the Exodus every day, and we say Shema every morning, and like. But it, it's it's a, it's a, it's 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 a whole aspect of our life that very often, because we're preoccupied with what we've done wrong and wanting to fix it, we just twist the whole Yitzhak Mitzrayim into just chuba with different words when it's not that at all. It's something entirely different. It's the rebirth because you've outlived that, whatever that was, right? The Aves, Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Vishvatan, they lived a wonderful existence. And the end of that is being stuck in exile. And then something new was created, right? Am Yisrael, they get the Torah, right? Then we learn a whole new idea called sitting in Shuvah, right? That's what happens right afterwards, right? <laughs> they get the Torah and they're like, okay, now we learn about sitting in Shuvah too, right? Make sense? Okay, so tomorrow we're going to take this theme and try and like see again some of the aspects of the Mats and the Pesach in that light.